All right. Well, today we've got uh, our friend Michael Lusk, evangelist Michael Lusk of uh, Vanguard Evangelism. And he is a precious brother in Christ and a good friend who we have worked with uh, in Benin and also met at different places, conferences over the years. And uh, he's a precious, precious brother, and we just appreciate his spirit. And uh, one of the things you may not know about Michael is uh, he was a protege of the late T.L. Osborne. So he gleaned a few things there, I think, through that relationship, and God launched him into a worldwide ministry. So, Michael, it's great to have you with us, and we're looking forward to what you have to share with us. Thank you, Tom. I appreciate the invitation, and it's just a privilege to be with all of you here and share from our hearts just simple things. I don't think that anything I'll say will be novel or unheard of. It's just kind of cornbread and beans, but uh, those are good things to keep us strong and healthy and Amen. moving forward in the work that God's called us all to do. Um, I talked about it briefly before we began the recording, but just to kind of re reiterate some of these things. Uh, my background really always has been in evangelism and missions. When I was just 11 years old, the Lord spoke to my heart in a way that I still can't explain to this day, you know, looking at children of that age and thinking how God spoke to me at, at that tender age of 11. And he said, Michael, I want you to go to China. And so I began to pursue this vision and just the simple ways that I knew how I knew that it would take money to get there. And so I began to save Christmas money, birthday money, chore money, and got little odd jobs and um, sold candy bars and set aside the profit to, to, save up for this trip to China and through a series of miracles and open doors about one year later when I was just 12 years old I was in China on my first mission and you know as far as what I contributed to the people there probably not that much maybe a smiling face and you know a, a, a cute kid to pat on the head maybe but um, the, I think really what happened in my life was the Lord sealed in my heart a passion and a love for the nations and the peoples of the world that have not heard about Christ. And so from that time uh, until the present, I've been engaged in missions. My wife and I, when we got married, we immediately pursued plans to minister in South America. We moved there in 2003, sight unseen. We had never visited the country, not even once. And only knew one person in the entire nation, which was the pastor that had invited us to his city to work with him. And so it was really a mission of faith as we, uh, you know, I put in my resignation at my job, my two week notice. We emptied our little apartment with the little furniture that we did have, gave so many things away, put a few important things in storage and took our six month old baby daughter, Lucy, in our arms, got on a plane and moved across the world, literally. And from that day, uh, God's been so faithful to, to honor that simple desire to take the gospel to people. And so we, we lived and ministered in Argentina for five years, moved back to the United States. We reside now in Dallas, Texas area. And uh, from there, we go to the nations of the world, over 20 nations and counting now. And um, we, as you mentioned, we have a, a good mentorship relationship with the Osborne Ministries, uh, Brother T.L. Osborne, until he went to be with the Lord back in 
2013. He was a key mentor in my life. And that relationship continues now with his daughter, LaDonna, that runs the ministry. And the ministry is doing very well. Uh, I'm on the board of directors. I'm also the global events director for the ministry and um, doing the setup for the meetings, international campaigns of evangelism, apart from what my wife and I do independently. And uh, Osborne Ministries is doing very well. We just celebrated 70 years since the founding. And I think the ministry is having a deeper impact now than ever before. And uh, so I'm privileged to be part of that. And uh, the ministry my wife and I founded, Vanguard Evangelism, we're celebrating almost 20 years now in ministry, full-time evangelism. And what we do, in addition to open-air proclamation evangelism, where we gather the crowds together and preach Jesus, and the Lord confirms with miracles, uh, another very important element of what we do is to find and locate and affirm uh, national evangelists in the nations where we minister. And God has opened great doors of favor with that, where we've been able to provide them with training and books, resources. And one of the important tools that we give are the portable sound systems that just amplify the reach of their ministry. I know, uh, Tom and Susan, you've been a part of that initiative. And we've, to date, been able to uh, distribute over 400 portable sound systems around the world. We do that in conjunction now with our in-person training events. And uh, in just a couple of weeks, in, well, several weeks in early June, I'll be in Benin, West Africa, where we're hosting uh, a, the first of this type of event. We're calling it a summit. It's the West Africa Summit, where we'll be having evangelists come from even around the region, even crossing national borders, coming together. We're preparing to receive uh, close to 300 evangelists there. We're going to be giving out sound systems. I just got one of my books translated into French for the first time. And so just excited about what God's doing to empower national evangelists, because I, I really believe that um, national frontline evangelists are the key to the completion of the Great Commission. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're all about. You know, it's 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 wonderful to advance the ball and, and run it down the field. But I think really what all of us as Christians kingdom-minded believers are, are, are called to do is ultimately complete the Great Commission. And uh, I believe that these frontline uh, men and women proclaimers of the gospel on the vanguard of the Great Commission are really a key to uh, wrapping up this, this Great Commission of the Lord Jesus. And so uh, God's doing powerful things, but I'm excited to be here today and I just have a, a simple word I'll, I'll go into. We can converse and, and, you know, you all can interject if you have something just burning in your heart. But I wanted to talk about something that I think is, is important for every believer, but maybe, you know, specifically gearing it today toward evangelists, just uh, sharing from my heart, my experience um, on the, the idea of sharpening to remain sharpened in our ministries. And, um, you know, when I was living in Argentina, there was a, a folk tale uh, and it, it always stuck with me. It's one of these types of tales. It's got a moral to the story. And essentially uh, there were two woodcutters 
um, we might call them loggers in America, but uh, they were cutting firewood. And they were out in the field chopping up wood. Each had their axe. And uh, one of them uh, was just working incessantly and chopping, 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 and uh, setting his, his cut wood to one side, stacking it. And his friend was also cutting the wood, but he would notice that his friend would frequently go off under the shade tree there and he would drink, uh, well, mate in Argentina, which is kind of the national drink. It's kind of, kind of like a tea that they drink and uh, very refreshing. And so he would sit under the tree and, and drink his mate and then he'd get up and chop some more wood. And after a while, he'd go back and rest a while under the, tr the shade tree, drink some more mate. And the day progressed. And at the end of the day, the first woodcutter was noticing that even though his friend had stopped many times to rest under the tree, his friend's woodpile was actually bigger than his was. And, and he said, how is it possible that I stopped? I didn't stop working all day. I chopped wood without a break. I never sat down. I've been chopping, chopping, chopping all day. And you went and sat under the tree. You had your siesta. You drank your mate. And you've cut more wood than I have. And the friend said very wisely, what you didn't see is that while I sat under the tree and was drinking my mate, I was also sharpening my axe. And I think that that's a lesson for us that in ministry, um, rest is important and proper rest and proper sharpening of our lives is, is so vital. And it really makes a difference. And the Bible even affirms this very principle. If you have a Bible, you can go with me to Ecclesiastes uh, chapter 10 in verse 10, Ecclesiastes 10, 10. And it just says very simply the, the same principle that, that that story tells. It says, if the axe is dull and one does not sharpen the edge, then he must use more strength but wisdom brings success. Another translation says wisdom is an excellent advantage. Wisdom is the difference maker. And when we're sharp, it makes a difference. When we're sharp, it, it allows us to do more. It makes us look better than we are, perhaps, <laughs> when we're sharp. And I think the converse is also true, that when we're dull, when we, when we lack that sharpening in our lives, uh, everything is harder. Everything is more difficult. Everything costs more in terms of energy, in terms of, um, you know, just white knuckled effort. Uh, when we're dull, everything gets harder. And so that verse to me is, is, is a proverb for life, a proverb for ministry. And I want to bring it home for us as evangelists today and people that have a heart to minister the gospel in different ways, minister the word of God, um, you know, because it's, well, I'll tell you what, in life, with the way that life is today and the accelerated pace of life, I think it's just all that a lot of people can do just to keep their own head above water, let alone have anything left to really contribute to others. And 
I think there's reasons for that. I hope we can talk about some of those today. But I wanted to start out by addressing some of the signs or symptoms of dullness. And this dullness could have many manifestations or many sources as well. Uh, it could be mental dullness. It could be physical related to our health, our self-care, emotional dullness, and of course, spiritual dullness. But whatever the manifestation of it, whatever the source behind it, some of the signs, some of the symptoms that I think we can look for, signs of this dullness would be no feeling no sensation, um, where the joy of ministry is not there anymore, uh, where the passion to, um, to take Christ, where it, it produces no uh, reaction in us anymore, where we're sort of desensitized, you could say calloused, um, where there's a sort of mm, just, a, just a dullness, so a lack of, of focus. Um, I think that that's a sign when we don't feel the passion for ministry anymore. We might be dull. We might be in need of some sharpening. And uh, we'll talk about kind of some of the ways I see that we can get sharpened again. You know, it's not a hopeless situation, but it's important to realize when we're in that place. And honestly, I don't know in this world if there's anything that we can do to prevent that dullness from happening. I think it's just a result of living in a fallen, broken world, but it is important to recognize it. And there are things we can do to maintain ourselves and to recover that sharpness. But that would be the first thing I thought of in terms of recognizing when that dullness is there, it's that lack of feeling, that lack of sensation. Um, tied very closely to that, the second thing, would be no energy, no grit, no follow through, no perseverance where uh, things seem more difficult than they should be. Uh, it can be a, a very strong indicator that we're, we're dealing with dullness in our life. Um, and, and again, um, I would say it doesn't mean that a person has necessarily done anything wrong. I mean, life happens to us. Um, when we deal with the grief or loss or a betrayal, uh, those types of situations are going to produce these, these types of results. And so it's just a question of recognizing and knowing where to turn to and who to turn to in order to, to be healed and to be restored. The lack of energy would be one, a very strong indicator. Uh, a third one would be distraction or a lack of focus the inability to uh, discern priority, the inability to, to know what should be the priority and what should be left aside, uh, I think is a, a major factor. And then number four, a sign of dullness, symptom of dullness would be uh, doubts about one's calling, doubts about one's effectiveness. I, I think of a story uh, the, you mentioned T.L. Osborne earlier, Tom, and T.L. Osborne, of course, was a, uh, an evangelist, evangelist, and very, very successful. He, he touched nations around the world, and he told a story, and I think I only heard him share this once, but he was at the graveside of his wife, Daisy, who had passed not too, too long before that, 
and he was uh, standing there at the grave and just reminiscing about their lives together. And he said that in a an unguarded moment, that the enemy slipped up on him and began to to speak into his his ear and to call into question that the effectiveness of their ministry or the impact of their ministry. And it was the idea that, uh, you know, look, TL, you've dedicated your lives to this. Daisy dedicated her life to this and she's dead now and you're an old man and the world is worse today than it was when you started. Things have gotten worse than they were even back then. And, and really calling into question the effectiveness or the impact or the fruitfulness of his ministry. And of course, uh, TL gave us a key through that story. He, he actually learned from one of his mentors, who was F.F. Bosworth, that wrote a, a very well-known book, Christ the Healer. Uh, but F.F. Bosworth had taught him and he taught us, whenever the devil comes around, you do all the talking. And so that's what he began to do, began to speak the word of God. And, and Jesus himself taught us to do that. And he got victory over that that challenge, that attack. But this this idea of the doubt about the effectiveness, the doubt about the calling, I use that as an example because any evangelist would look at someone like T.L. Osborne and think that he was at such a level in success and the security in his calling that he would be unassailable, that he would have this impregnable confidence in his calling, and yet he did not. He still had to face those challenges. So there's never a point in our lives when we are impervious to attack or when we are um, beyond this dullness that can try to set into our lives. And so we're all in the same boat in that regard. And so we can take encouragement from that. That just like the Bible says that the the same temptation, no temptation has overtaken any of us except what is common to all people. But God is faithful and he won't allow us to be tempted or or tested beyond what we're able, but he'll provide a way of escape so that we can bear it, so that we can persist and overcome. And so I want to talk today uh, now about how we can sharpen some of the ways that we can regain that edge and regain our effectiveness. And the first thing I want to talk about is sharpening in his rest. And Jesus, uh, Mark chapter six, we won't go there for sake of time, but the disciples were overworked and overwrought. And uh, in Mark chapter six, verse 31, Jesus said famously, come aside by yourselves to a deserted place and rest a while. For there were many coming and going, and they did not even have time to eat. And so there was this this pulling and tugging between their own needs for self-maintenance and the demands of the ministry. And Jesus, you know, it's so interesting to see that Jesus knew how to find this balance. As important as his mission was, he also knew how to rest himself, and he also taught us to rest. And so there is a place for rest. God created us for rest and refreshing. Even in the creation narrative, we see the six days of creation and God himself rests on the seventh day. I think he put that as a rhythm in our lives and we do well not to ignore that. 
Uh, we really do it to our own peril uh, when we ignore that. Jesus said, come aside by yourselves and rest a while in a deserted place, a quiet place. Now, sometimes I literally do that. I'll go up into the woods. I'll go into a, a desolate area and be by myself. But it doesn't have to be a literal deserted place. But the idea is to shut things down. I, uh, I found myself in the last several weeks, I, I just finished a very demanding semester in um, seminary and graduate school. And uh, kind of, you know, doing that last lap of, of, of the run, so to speak, and was feeling the fatigue. And uh, the Holy Spirit really spoke to my heart to shut down the distractions, to shut down things that were uh, easy outs, you know, because when our mind is tired, we kind of look for distractions and things that entertain us. And I tell you today, it is not hard to find things to tantalize our, our mind and keep us busy and occupied. You can look at the news, you know, things that are fine, things, nothing wrong with them. But uh, I just began to shut down some of these apps and kind of took a fast, if you will, from a digital fast, you could call it. And I found that my focus immediately was improved. Um, I think that's a key today. Uh, and we'll find that as we enter further and further into the digital age, we're beginning to, to discover, even researchers are beginning to discover the very deep effect that the constant uh, stimulation of technology is having on the human psyche. And I know, you know, the gospel is the answer to this, too. This does not take God by surprise. He's prepared this perfect salvation for every part of our being, every eventuality. And so the gospel we have is the solution for today's world. But I believe that that's an issue that we'll have to continually address in the next generations. Um, Jesus uh, said, come aside to a deserted place. And then in Acts chapter three, you know, it talks about uh, times of refreshing from the presence of the Lord, mm -hmm. just being with Jesus. Uh, remembering what it's like to feel his presence. We mentioned that one of the symptoms can be that lack of feeling. When we're with Jesus, he gives us that feeling again. I, and it's, we know it's, I'm telling you, we know it's not about feelings. And when you come from, you know, I, I came from kind of a word of faith background and it, it was almost like feelings were the enemy. Well, they can be if we follow them, but I wouldn't want to live without them. Feelings are part of what makes us human. Amen. And Jesus wants us to feel his life, his presence, his joy, his peace, and all of his, his benefits. And so I love what Jesus said, Mark 11, you all know the verses, come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, I will give you rest. He didn't say, come to me and I'll work you to death. He didn't say, come to me and we'll wear your fingers out. He said, come to me and I'll give you rest. And he said, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me. Pay attention to what I'm doing. And uh, I'm gentle and lowly in heart. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. You know, I, I actually watched a, a gentleman that was an expert in yoke making. He would make custom yokes. In fact, all yokes for an ox would be custom, ideally, because they form it to the body shape and the neck of that particular ox. And so it's designed to fit in a very perfect way. 
and not to uh, chafe or, or harm the animal in any way. And he was describing that in all the times that he saw oxen in the years that they would suffer uh, wounds and, and abrasions and things in their neck from the yoke, he said it was never a question of the shape of the yoke. It was always the disposition of the animal. It was always they're pulling away, they're fighting. And, and we know in Jesus' analogy that he's, he's the trainer ox, so to speak, that shows us how to pace ourselves, shows us how to walk, shows us how to bear the load without harming ourselves. Um, and so that that is a big key. And uh, the other thing I would mention uh, is to sharpen our, our message, to keep on on the message of the gospel, the simplicity of the gospel. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 11 and verse 3, he said that he had fears for the Corinthians uh, that their minds would be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. And I think that for every believer, the gospel is its the axle. Everything turns on it. Uh, it's the axis. Everything comes from it. And if, if we're out of alignment, so to speak, um, it causes all kinds of harmful things that instead of giving us energy and life, they actually drain it. And so I think that being sharpened in his presence and also sharpened in the centrality, the simplicity of who Jesus is, what he came to do, what kingdom he's building, the message of the gospel. Those are vital keys for all of us. And so I, I'll leave it with that. And uh, Tom, I'll hand it back over to you. And uh, just wanted to share from my heart today. and hope it's been a, a blessing. So Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this time of sharing. Thank you for the message that Michael has brought to us and the things that have been shared to encourage us. And we pray in Jesus' name that you would help, help us to... Uh, embrace these things in our heart and apply them in our lives. And Lord, just come into that rest because we know things will be so much more effective in the yoke with you. And Lord, we lift up these needs that have been mentioned this morning, Lord, and, and we thank you, Lord, for the faithfulness of your servants on the field. The laborers are few, but here's, here's laborers that are, that are busy with the work of the ministry, and we just pray that you would encourage them today, Lord, and that you would let them know that you are with them in a powerful way, Lord. I pray that you would strengthen each one by might, by your spirit in the inner person, in Jesus' name. And let them know, Lord, that they're, what they're doing is important. I think of what Michael shared about T.L. Osborne and all the Although we think of someone like that as just such a, a powerful, uh, successful person, and yet there was a time when, they, when he just felt like it was all a waste. And sometimes, Lord, that's the way we feel. But Lord, let us know depths of our heart that our labor is not in vain. In Jesus' name, we pray for all these needs. Lord, just help us to Pray for them as we lift them up before you. I just thank you for miracles and signs and wonders in each one of these sure. situations. In Jesus' name we pray. Praise thank God. You, Amen. 
Thank you for joining us for this episode of Good News for Everyone from Tom Shanklin Ministries. Tom and I want to invite you to visit our website at www.shanklinministries.org. You will find many encouraging articles and videos and podcasts. There's news about our worldwide outreach and also ways you can connect with us. We'd love to hear from you.